I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. It's Friday. I feel like I say it's Friday more than I say it's any other day. These these days are flying by at the moment. Celtics put out a B, a B team, a C team, maybe even a D team against the Washington Wizards and ran those guys close. Thomas Bryant was a beast. Let's give props where props are due. But first and foremost, before we jump into anything else, Brad Stevens got a contract extension for an undisclosed amount of years, which is totally fine because hopefully that undisclosed means life. I'm joined by Mr. Wayne Brown and Mr. Tim Shields. What are you guys up to today on this lovely Thursday evening? Trying to beat the heat, man. It is sweltering out today. Yeah, it's truly hot outside, man. But uh, that's what we get for living in the East Coast in the summertime, up north. Yeah. We, we welcome this. Because <laughs> we look forward to the winter, which is coming soon, very soon. Yeah, it's been the same here, man. It's like humid as hell, um, 90s, in the mid-90s every day. Thunderstorms are rolling through on the evening. Weird, man. We had, like a, we had one night where it was an electrical storm. And then the next night, it was, a, it was just thunder and no lightning. So it's like, if you put them together, at least you had one storm over two days. <laughs> yeah, electrical storms are 10 times worse than regular storms, too, by the way. Yeah, they look dope, though. They do, but don't get caught out in one. <laughs> Be Ben Franklin all over again. I, I definitely, me personally, I love the fact that they're extending Coach Brad Stevens. I think this is going to be good for the youth that we have on the team. And that's the one thing that he does very well, right? He gets these young guys uh, or inexperienced guys. He gets them to play some of their best basketball. And we've seen it when he first came in with getting guys to work, getting guys off of other teams, putting them together. And these aren't like superstar players, you know, these are just, you know, role players or whatnot, uh, you know, gringy players, guys that just play, you know, and, he gets them to work and now he gets all these good, good players, you know, these rookies to come in and he's getting the best out of them. He's getting the best out of them. So I can't wait to see how much this team is going to, how much better this team is going to be in years to come uh, with Danny Ainge and, and Brad Stevens at the helm running the squad and getting his guys to play real, real good basketball. I think it's also just a matter of, you know, a strong, firm basis with that foundation, that strong front office that puts that trust in there. I think Steven said it in a quote today where he was saying, I got my first extension offer after we got beat down by 30. (laughs) And so I think that's just testament to the kind of organization that the Celtics are. They've gone about their business the right way. They've made right decisions when it comes down to drafting to getting the right people in house and they've trusted Brad Stevens to make an excellent staff. Um, you know, as much as it uh, stung to lose Carol Lawson, having Lawson in house too is also a really good move. Players just gushed about her as well. So clearly the Celtics organization has a really good eye for talent and, and I wouldn't be surprised for them to go ahead and continue to build off of that momentum they have right now. Having Brad Stevens in house for years to come is just another savvy move by Danny H. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I said this multiple times over the last few months, over the last few years, to be fair. These guys, Jalen Brown, Tatum, Smart, Brad Stevens is all they know. He's the guy that's been there since they got drafted. He's helped cultivate that philosophy, that environment that's been so positive towards growth. Having him there with them as they start working towards their peak and then really start contending, that's homage. 
he's he's put all the foundations in place for this team to become a success long term and build a dynasty. It's only right that he should be the guy to steer that ship towards that banner. And personally, I don't think there's a better coach for this team available. Period. I agree. I agree. I agree. I have a quick, quick two part question though. Number one, well, one A. Will Brad Stevens ever win or be considered coach of the year? Because it seems like he puts, he gets the best out of these players and he's like never really nominated. And then I guess the, the part B question is, does it even really matter? I mean, is that something that matters? I know the fans would like to see their coach win a coach of the year award as they see, you know, other coaches win Toronto's coach, uh, Nick Nurse and whatnot. But what do you guys think? Like, I think personally, from my perspective, and this is probably, I think this is presumption of, of me, but I think from Brad Stevens' perspective, I think he would much rather win a championship than win coach of the year. Coach of the year, while it a great accomplishment it is and a great honor to receive that award, there are so many people who have won coach of the year and then never won a championship. A really big example of that, Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey got coach of the year and lost his job. <laughs> so, and that's nothing against him. You know, I think he's a good coach, but just because you get coach of the year doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go on to win a championship or lead a dynasty, coach a dynasty. So, from Brad Stevens' perspective, yeah, of course, it's a nice feather in the cap. But I think for him, I think the primary goal is to deliver championships. You know, he didn't manage to do that at Butler. They came real close. And I think the, I think getting those kind of accolades, is it's secondary to actually bringing a title. I mean, for me, it's more along the lines of it's going to come. He's kind of fell short a couple of times, not for his own issues. It's always been something that's happened around the league. Like Dwayne Casey has a phenomenal year with Toronto doesn't make it all the way, but these Coach of the Year awards are for the regular season. You know, whatever happens in the playoffs doesn't go against you in the terms of your Coach of the Year award. Nick Nurse then comes in, gets Coach of the Year, does a phenomenal job. That will come for Brad Stevens as the roster he's got ages into their mature years and becomes more of a solid a solid unit that's going to just steamroll the guys. And I can see that happening quite easily. I don't think him himself is probably bothered. He doesn't seem to be a guy that cares about personal accolades. If he is, then, you know, then he's a determined dude. He's been in this league for a few years now. As you said earlier, Wayne's constantly getting the best out of everybody, which means he knows how to get the best out of himself as well. I've got no doubt in my mind he'll end his career with at least one coach a year. I just don't think it's as important as winning a championship. Now, what is important is the fact that the Celtics cemented themselves in at the free seed and we move on and they go to play Philadelphia in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, ben Simmons-less, Ben Simmons-less? Yes, Ben Simmons-less Philadelphia. Well, that was a mouthful. But they do have Horford, they do have Embiid, they do have Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Shake Milton. How are we feeling about these chances? Better than I did before. <laughs> I remember Philly being the one team I was like, I don't really want to match up with them in the first round. And they're a team that I would definitely not have picked going into the bubble. Before that Simmons injury, very different situation. Now with Simmons out, it really depends on where Joel Embiid's at. You know, he's dealing with a sprained ankle, but we have to see where he's at too. I think asking him to shoulder that load for that team is going to be a big challenge, but We'll see. You know, I think Philly is a tough team. I think Boston is really going to have to work hard to try to contain Embiid. 
And if it comes down to it and it's a longer series, I think that plays out in Boston's favor because if a lot of that scoring load, a lot of that team play relies on Embiid like carrying the load, I think he's just going to get tired. I think he's going to get burned out. And maybe that's the way that the Celtics need to play it. Maybe play long ball. I can't wait till we really start diving into the matchups and start breaking the game down. I guess I'm looking at it a little bit differently. I'm I'm almost say, like, hey, let Embiid put it on him, let him do his thing, and take away everybody else. Embiid can't score 100 points. I mean, he's not Wilt Chamberlain. Um, with that being said, I just feel like, how healthy is he? Apparently, he's hurt. He he has a a hand injury along with the the ankle injury that he suffered the other night. He just doesn't look really good. But again, when playoffs start. Basketball players put on a different pair of shoes and they have a different mindset. I think you're going to get the best in bead. He's probably going to average like 30, 35 points, 20 boards a night. The, the, the trick is we need to figure out how to play both of those bigs at the same time because I guarantee you that's what you're going to be doing, especially with Ben Simmons out. I almost like it better when Ben Simmons is on the offense. At least you know you're taking away one shooter. Well, you don't have to defend one guy to shoot. The only thing he can do is really get to the basket. I think that the Celtics will fare well against this team. I actually wanted this matchup. I just think that the Celtics play Philly from a history perspective. I mean, and a most recent history perspective. Now I'm not talking 20 years ago or whatnot when it wasn't a rivalry, but it's definitely a rivalry now. <laughs> and I just think that they play this particular team very well. And I think for us, I think for the Celtics, the wings got to be on point. I think Jason Tatum is is back to where he needs to be. But going against this Phillies team, they have some unknowns. We can't let a player like Josh Richardson heat up. Tobias Harris can take over a game as well. He if, if he's on fire, he can shoot. And then and then there's Embiid, and then there's other there are other role players. So I'm I'm saying, listen, let's take away everything else. Let's focus on how to stop this, 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 and this. And let Embiid have to, you know, overplay so that, like Tim said, he can get tired and overwork himself. For me, the biggest thing is now with Simmons on the injury table, it's going to give Philly a lot more spacing, which is going to be a problem because Harris can score from deep. Richardson can score from deep. Shake Milton shown he can light it up too. And then you can feed Embiid on the low block and get him going too. Embiid's going to be the guy that the team really struggles to stop. They're going to probably implement a bit of zone I just feel like the Sixers now, are obviously, they're weaker. They're disjointed. They're very much up against the wall right now because if they fail to come out of this first round, then their situation isn't as comfortable as Boston's in terms of coaching, in terms of personnel. They're going to be up against the wall that if we don't come out of the first round, something somewhere is going to change, whether that's Brett Brown, whether it's Ben Simmons, whether it's Joel Embiid. One of those three pieces are not going to be there as you move into the next season because this year, by all accounts, if they don't make it out of round one, has been an abject failure. You can view it the same for Boston. You can say if they don't make it out of the first round, it's been an abject failure. And I can understand that as Boston fans want a championship. I can understand that. But for me, worst case scenario, they don't come out of the first round. What has this season gave you? It's gave you growth of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It's gave you signs of life from Romeo Langford to be a, a well-rounded bench guy moving forwards. It's gave you Grant Williams minutes that's made him 
kind of evolve into a player that looks like a serviceable rotation guy for his career. Rob Williams is kind of in the middle of a breakout. That's the other thing you need to look at as well. Can Rob Williams hang with Joran Embiid? I want to see some minutes where Rob Williams is up with Joran Embiid. I think Rob Williams will suffer on the defensive end, but I also think he might be able to get something done offensively against Embiid on that short roll and playing on the low block. I don't think it'll be something that's serviceable for more than six, seven minutes a game, but I definitely want to see how that matchup works. Um, talking a little bit more about Philly, I, I was going into it a little bit more, but I think for me, from a Boston perspective, I think I just try and limit their shooting. They don't have a lot of shooting. I think, as Wayne said, going at, worrying about Josh Richardson, I think is going to be a problem. I think Shake Milton is also going to be a concern in terms of trying to get him going from beyond the arc. They were talking about running him at the point guard spot before um, when they were talking about moving Ben Simmons over. So now that that's out of the equation, I don't know how much their game plan changes, but a, a lot of it's going to be on wing play because I think that's the position that we beat them out at. So I think that was spot on by Wayne there. But I don't see the series going on any more than five games, if I'm being completely honest. I think it's in five. But it's a it's a little bit of a stretch, but I just think right now the way that Boston's been playing and just the way they've kind of handled themselves in the bubble, and they've got guys on the bench who are now starting to contribute in the ways that you need them to, and I think we should get into that at some point too. But, yeah, their bench is just playing a lot better, and I think everything's kind of coming together for Boston, and all of that really just comes down to the fact that they're healthy. I got it. I got it at 4-1, Boston. It, it's just because of guys – when the when the rotation shortens and guys' roles are solidified for this matchup, for this series, you're going to see a lot of Kimball Walker off ball. You're going to see a lot of you're, – you're just going to – you're going to see everything you thought we would have saw um, in this eight-game restart, but magnified. And I think that the Celtics are going to be ready to take on the 76ers, now that they know it's the 76ers, their mindset is the 76ers. And that, I don't care what people say. There's history there. There's some history there. There's some history there. And <laughs> the Sixers might have won the regular season this, this season. But I tell you what, the Celtics are looking to close them out and send them home packing. So it's definitely going to be a good matchup. I know I said 4-1 to one rather easily. I just think that the Celtics are going in there with, with a mindset of, it's playoff time, guys. And now we get to honestly sit back, watch our young wings. It's their team. Watch Jason Tatum. Not only did he progress as a player, can we talk a little bit about how he's progressing as a leader? And this is when we're going to get to see that. I mean, I'm just looking at Philly's numbers right now in the, since the bubble began. They're not good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nice, honest journalism. <laughs> they're not good. So their points scored per 100 possessions allowed, uh, minus your points allowed, so it's your point differential. They're giving up 1.5 points per 100 possessions, so they're, they're scoring less than they're allowing on defense. That's the easiest way to say it. And that's happening because they're scoring 117.7 points per 100, but they're allowing 119.2 per 100. They're six in the league since the bubble began at points per 100. So they're 19th out of a possible 22 in defense. They're only two teams are worse defensively. And they are, or three teams, sorry. They are Dallas, Portland. But Portland also are number one for points per 100 because Dan can drop 60 on your dime. Yeah, they're scoring, scoring. 
and Denver, who are fourth in scoring. So it's one of those things that they're very, very, they're not as high up as the other three teams that have worse defense in terms of their offense, but they're low enough that Boston would destroy these dudes <laughs> defensively <laughs> and can limit Philly to, say, 115 per 100 possessions. That's 1.15 points per possession. And they can, and Philly don't shore up their defense, then Boston are going to walk out with this in four, maybe five at a push if Embiid has a career night. You don't worry about a team like Philly when the guy that destroys you as a Celtic, who is Ben Simmons, isn't playing. It makes it far easier to scheme against somebody like Joel Embiid. And they ran the other day against Memphis. So the way the defense they ran in Memphis was they were running a man-to-man, but what they were doing was they were hiding Kemba on the corner, um, the weak side corner. So what had happened is Kemba would line up against his man. Someone would rotate over for Kemba. Someone would rotate over to cover for who covered for Kemba, and Kemba would rotate around to the weak side corner and try and beat out a pass if a pass came because Kemba's man was then essentially open for about three seconds. Well, 0.3 seconds. Doing that puts a lot of pressure on the offense to make the right read and make it. I don't worry about Boston giving up those corner threes because I don't think they'll be available regularly because of how fast Kemba is and how he can move his body. And if they do feed it to the corner, Boston will react and then they'll switch Kemba off that guy. For me, Philly don't pose much of a threat at the moment. And I do think that Embiid without a crowd is not the same Embiid. I think certain guys like that definitely feed off of that from like a psychological standpoint. And I know that we talked about other certain players being able to play a little bit better without that kind of crowd noise. I'll be honest, when I'm talking about the Celtics switching back to what we've seen before when we were talking about what, what are we looking for in the bubble, who are we looking to get some more minutes, who are we looking to get some more playing time, see them step up a little bit more. I've kind of been disappointed in some of the Celtics young guys, and some of that also just depends on the fact that they didn't get playing time. You know, Tremont Waters up until the Wizards game was inactive every game. You know, Carson Edwards – non-factor in the very little time that he had playing. Romeo Langford had three DNPs and he finally got some playing time versus the Wizards, but we didn't really see a lot of time for those young guys to get out there. The one, as Adam said before, the one spot that I've been really keyed in on is the fact that Time Lord's gotten some time. Time, time Lord's gotten some time. Time Lord got some minutes and... That was a good dad joke. Of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You done one of them yesterday <laughs> as well, I remember. I like to suppress those <laughs> showing my age. Um, but Rob Williams has just come in and kind of just taken the whole league by storm. These past couple of games, he's just playing out of his mind. And I think they're putting him in the right spots offensively where he's just getting these high percentage looks. He's only missed a shot or two. Uh, I didn't look at his scoring from the Wizards game yet. I kind of was just paying attention to these first seven. I feel like the Wizards game was kind of like a throw in where they were just giving Everybody minutes. Everybody got minutes. Like, Javante gets minutes. Carson gets minutes. You get minutes. Like, everybody's getting playing time. But I really hope we see more Rob Williams. As Adam said, I hope we kind of see him get some run against Embiid. I want to see how they're going to use him in the passing game, too, because out of your big guys, he's easily your best passer. There are two players I would like to see. You talked about one of them. And the next player is Javante Green. You know, all – a lot of us probably thought he's just a catch the ball, dribble past your guy, and just bang. No, he he he's he's a shooting. He shoots. He gets to the rim. And I think you know after watching the Wizards game, 
I think those minutes like really allowed us to see a player that's more than what he has been all season long. And I think now he might be a pretty good rotational piece because you weren't getting the production from your, your, from Langford Edwards, you know, the guys that you, you were hoping to get that production from. I think Javante green is going to be a solid, good bench piece uh, in the playoffs, a solid rotational piece. And the fact that he's able to stretch the defense, bring some energy. You, those are the two things. I, but energy, Time Lord energy, Javante Green energy, and now and not only are they bringing energy, you're getting points and production from. Yeah, those. I I think with Javante, I mean, he brings a lot of energy, as you said. But looking at the way he played in the bubble and the amount of time he played, I'm not including scrimmages in this. This is strictly games that mattered. He was inactive for your first three games, and then you had him getting just under seven minutes versus Brooklyn, just under ten minutes versus Toronto and about two and a half minutes versus Memphis. He did not play against Orlando. They gave him run against the Wizards, and he took a bunch of shots. A lot – and, I mean, he was 8 for 17 for the field, 3 for 9 for 3. So, you know, he needs a lot of volume to get going. And this was in a game versus a team that is not going to be playing in the bubble as far as we know. I'm pretty sure they're out, right? Correct? Wizards are – They're gone. Yeah. Okay. So – you know, he had minutes in a game that were – and it's good. It's good to see a guy like Javante Green get minutes. But it was against a team that's not going to be in the playoffs. And it was a throwaway game where they rested a bunch of people. To give you an idea, Ennis Kanter started the game. So, got major minutes in this game. So, I, I just don't want to put too much stock into that. I think he brings a lot of energy. He's a guy you can throw in towards the end of games to kind of stretch it a little bit more. I honestly probably would look more towards Jeremy Ojale. Um, I had a closer look at his stats. You know, in the bubble, he's shooting 42% from the field, 43.4% from three. So he's giving you some minutes there that I think are good. The one thing I will say is Jamonte is taking those steps forward, and I do want him to get minutes too. But at the same time, if you're giving minutes to Jamonte Green, you're giving minutes to Semi Ojale, where are you finding minutes for Romeo Langford? Where are you finding minutes for Grant Williams? Because Grant is gradually having his roles just stolen basically from out off from under him from time Lord. So it's a matter of finding the minutes for everybody. And I just don't know if it's worth giving minutes to Romeo Langford versus Javante really just matters. Like, do you want explosion and energy or do you want versatile defense? And I think if you're looking from a bench perspective, I think you're looking more towards the defensive side. I think that depends to be fair, because the t- the team has been notoriously bad in terms of offense when all the starters sit now, if all the starters are healthy and they can stagger two of those starters, then most certainly you want the guys coming off the bench to be more defensive-minded because you've got your two starters there to put numbers up. If they decide to sit all their starters at any given point, then a guy like Javante might actually become viable because you need that scoring energy. He showed that he's got a bit of range that we hadn't seen before in scoring those threes. He done, he done quite decent there. Whether or not he can maintain that once the pressure's on and the playoffs are there instead of a shooing game where everybody who means anything sat down, then that remains to be seen. A lot of That's one thing. Don't put too much stock into what you see now in a game that doesn't really matter. When the playoffs are rolling right around the corner, that's when you start taking stock of who's actually going to be a viable option. Now, I gave everybody the Sixers stat. I was a bit rude. I didn't give you the Boston stat, so let me go right in. I will start with offense. So Boston are eighth in the bubble for offense with 116 points per 100 possessions. They are second in defense, only allowing 106 points per 100 possessions. What does that give you? That gives you a plus, well, we'll, well, because of the points, we'll just call it a plus 10. 
a plus 10-point differential. So Boston are scoring 10 more points than they're allowing per 100. That is a really, 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 really good points differential. That puts Boston a second in the bubble. The only team with a better defense, Toronto. All that's going to be a matchup when it gets to the finals if Milwaukee don't make it that far, which is a big if. We're going to head off to break because those stats are beautiful and we should end it on that. Boston, eighth in offense, second in defense. That's a Brad Stevens team all the way. We will be back shortly. So as you all got to know, the second part of this show now will contain a little bit of a discussion about what's going on around the league. We were going to touch on about recapping the whole bubble, but we've recapped games individually and we spoke about the bubble for that long that I feel like if we're doing it anymore, we're just going to be beating the same drum. There's been a few things that have gone on around the league. We've kind of touched on everything Celtics-wise that's going on right now. So we're going to have a quick look over at Mr. Damian Lillard, who's been dropping just ridiculous numbers on people's domes. It's been, it's been hard to watch on the. <laughs> I feel so sorry for whoever has to guard Dame. He's definitely one of the most elite guards in the league. He's my favorite point guard in the league. I feel like he's going to be a big force in the West. And I was saying this from before the bubble started. If anyone wants to go back and listen, Portland were the team that were going to give Memphis the most problems. And Portland had the experience to make it into the playoffs. As things stand, Portland, have fought, have they forced a play in now? Right now, I think it depends on the game that's going on. I think it's like a weird turn of events. I think the Suns and one of the Suns or the Blazers has to lose and the Grizzlies have to win. The Grizzlies are going against the Bucks, but... There's no Giannis. Yeah, Giannis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another thing we got to talk about. <laughs> Giannis uh, headbutted poor uh, Moritz Wagner right in the face and ended up getting uh, suspended for a game. So he's missing this last game. From a Celtics perspective, that actually kind of stinks because if the Grizzlies lose this, we make sure that their pick ends up in the lottery. But I think it locks in at 14. Out in England, we call that a Glasgow kiss. That headbutt is called a Glasgow kiss. It wasn't, it wasn't brutal. It was just enough to say, here's my head, stop walking towards me. I don't see any reason why it should have been more than a one-game suspension. That's typically what the league hand out for interactions such as that one, as we will call it. I want Portland in the playoffs, but again, Phoenix has been just ridiculous. Undefeated in the bubble. They're playing fantastic basketball. DeAndre Ayton's really showed out a little bit. Devin Booker has kind of solidified himself as a primary scorer within the entire league, not just on the Suns now. One thing I do want to touch on, though, I kind of want to touch on this before we circle back to Dame and the Glasgow kiss. Is this love affair going on between Jalen Brown and Donovan Mitchell? (laughs) I mean... I think this goes back to when they were all on Team USA together. It seems to be they kind of formed some kind of camaraderie. And it's not just with Jalen. There's a lot of love between him and Kemba as well. All those guys that played together on Team USA seem to really click and, you know, get off with it. So I I think it's funny. They're kind of, you know, jabbing blows left and right. It's like sometimes Jalen Brown's like, sometimes I just don't want to, I don't want to see Donovan Mitchell, man. Like I'm just going in the breakfast line. I don't want to see Donovan Mitchell. And now it's kind of turned into like this whole like social media thing. So it's funny, you know, at the end of the day, it's cool that they're just having a good time and just, you know, giving each other a hard time. It's just kind of funny. I like to see that from the players in the, around the league, around the association, just having a good time. I mean, we're going to circle back to Dame, but Dame has been doing it. Like players have been coming at him and then he's been going out there just 
pretty much letting his game play. And then when they interview him, he lets him have it in a, in a, in a cool way. It's not like, you know, it's a bad way, but I like that the the players, since the players are right there, like, it's not like they're, you know, somebody's in Orlando and somebody else is in California. No, they're all right there. So they get to talk about each other. They get to talk junk to each other. And then they get to see each other at dinner if, if they're, you know, socially distant, obviously. But that's the cool part about everything. That's the cool part about this whole bubble situation. So I like the fact that players are just bigging back and forth, having a good time, you know, at work, just, just balling out, having a great time. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a cool thing. There's a player I do want to talk about before we get to Dame. And I want to know what your concerns are because Russell Westbrook, is going to be missing at least he's going to be missing some time. They, they said the first few games due to a strain. And how do you think the Houston Rockets are going to fare? Like, because this is, this is just like a, 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 a detrimental blow. They have, they, will they get out the first round? Um, and, you know, I brought up rep Westbrook because you, you know, Damian Lillard is your favorite player, Adam. I got it. But Westbrook's my guy. You know what I'm saying? I, listen, there's a bunch of players that we shouldn't like, but Westbrook and I got into a verbal argument at a, at a game. And ever since then, he's been my guy. <laughs> like ever since he responded back to me, I'm like, dude, I love you. No, he's, he's a great player. And there's something about Westbrook. That, I mean, have you, if you ever watched him live in person, he's faster in person than he is on TV. Like he's really that, that good. And this is what, this was in his OKC days, but I'm concerned about him. I'm concerned about, you know, his, this injury. So what do you guys think? I mean, if it was any other team in the league, I'd be like, yo, their chances are done. But this is Houston. This is a James Harden team too. Don't forget that James Harden has been in Houston when he's had to put that team on his back. He's been the focal point of an offense. He, he remains the focal point of an offense. Russell, Russell Westbrook's a huge blow. If he's, but if it's only the first round, that team's ready. That team's got James Harden. He's going to be able to carry them for a stint until Russell Westbrook's back. If Westbrook can come back in game three or four, then I'm fairly confident that Houston can make it out of that round, depending on who their matchup is and depending on how playing this five out is going to be. That's the thing, though. And this, is, this adds further drama to that storyline of Westbrook missing time. They're going to be matched up with OKC. That's what it's matched up for. So... Okay, it's just a bad matchup for them anyway because of the way exactly. they exactly yeah. <laughs> it's just the fact that they have to go toe to toe, and it's with Russell Westbrook out. And now you've got the whole CP3 versus Harden thing. It's just a very interesting playoff matchup. And I sorry, you were gonna go on about that difficult matchup. My apologies. No, I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, okay, so Stephen Adams is gonna feast. That's gonna happen. CP3 is gonna dictate the play. That's gonna happen. But none of OKC's players across the board are on James Harden's level. None CP3 is the closest they have. Prime CP3, not the CP3 they have now. And he's still damn, damn good. So I feel like if Houston can make... Even if Houston go down 2-1 and then Westbrook comes back, the Rockets still have enough to kind of turn the tide. Now, if Houston go down 3-zip and then Westbrook comes back, that's it. You're done. It's, go, it's goodbye. I want to see where SGA is at, too. Yeah, like because that's another big factor in that situation. They have three point guards that I would worry about. Well, three three guards. Oh yeah, they got Schroeder, right? Schroeder's their six man. He's that's, a six man of the year candidate this year. He should be six man of the year. And fair that, enough. From a defensive perspective, James Harden can't D any one of those three. So 
it's going to be interesting. Like, I'm actually excited to watch that series. So I'm going to leave it at that. But Westbrook, heal up. All I know is that as far as I'm concerned, when I spoke with Coach Carl, he was talking about having multiple ball handlers, multiple decision, multiple decision makers on the floor at any given time. And OKC have got that in terms of Chris Paul, in terms of SGA. If you really want to get funky, you can throw Schroeder in there and start playing a really small ball lineup. They've got the personnel to counter the five-out system that Houston are going to play. Houston are going to run a few corner splits because that's what you do when you're a bit smaller. They're going to try and do a lot of handoffs just to confuse the defense. That works far better when you've got a guy like Westbrook that can just penetrate at will. But Harden can do what Harden ever wants. Harden can do whatever Harden wants on the floor. So it's going to be a fun matchup. Circling back to my boy Dame, though. My boy Dame, the dude that will eventually follow me on Twitter and eventually become my best friend. He's on fire. <laughs> the dude is on fire. I want two best friends in the world. One of them's named Damian Lillard. The second one's named Jason Tatum. When that happens, then you know I've made it. Who lit the fire in his behind? Because Skip Bayless, dude. Yo. That's all it took. That's I mean, all it took. Wow. <laughs> wow. I wish I wish my fuse was like that short. I wish I could like go it to another level. Mine is that like short. That. That's the problem. But mine just isn't <laughs> as productive as his. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone's is as productive as Dan. The stuff I, he's doing right now, man. Absolutely. He's play, playing like a man on fire. And kudos to him. You know, he's gotten a lot of flack in terms of. Well, you know, when Dame's on, Dame's on. When he's not, you know, look at what happens with the team. And every situation involving the Portland Trailblazers when it comes down to, well, are they going to make the bubble? And that, that was a whole conversation. That was a whole storyline before we got into the bubble was, oh, well, Dame Lillard's throwing a fit because if he can't make the bubble, then, you know, if they can't even compete, then why bother going? I hope they make the playoffs, and I hope they give someone hell in the first round. I want to see Melo playing in the Western Conference Finals. That's what I want to see. Also would like that, especially since he's actually changed his game to be better now. He's actually kind of bought into that role. And, I mean, when the, when the Celtics were against the Blazers, I was like, you know what? Melo's actually putting up some pretty good minutes right now. Yeah, it, don't ca- it doesn't matter if you put your hand on Melo's face, just on it like, like a claw. That dude will give you buckets all night long with a hand on his face. Not in his face, on his face. He will still go for 30. He's a natural-born scorer. Always, oh, has, man. always will be until he's done with the NBA. So kudos to Melo. No, he was like, when I started really getting into ball, like really, really, when it was really accessible over here, he was the guy. He was like, so I grew up like, you know, we had Jordan the one game a week. We had Kobe was going on as well. But Melo, if you wanted, like, obviously you'd watch Kobe, but as a guy that navigated towards the Celtics, I'm like, I don't really want to watch too much Kobe. So I, I gravitated more towards Melo. And that hand, oh man, I just love Melo. Melo's game, just a pure scorer, man. He's got that Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame badge, dude. But that pretty much wraps us up. We've stumbled through our second half of the show quite well. I'm proud of us. <laughs> Everybody have a happy Friday Have a good Friday Stay safe I've got a guest on Sunday It's going to be very insightful It's going to be very interesting I will be with that person on Monday You will hear it You will enjoy it You will tell your friends about it And it will it will possess you To leave a five star written review Until then We'll leave you to guess who that guest could be It is not a player Unfortunately Guess who Guess who